want to add my thanks in particular for those who helped create this new artwork that's here on the wall for the first Sunday today. Um, Joyce, of course, overseeing the project, Kelly Strandberg assisting with design, uh, Chester Hilty and Rotary Airlock uh, donating the steel for the lettering and the laser to cut it, uh, but Matt Dusing, the one behind the laser and, uh, and the woodwork and about everything else uh, in putting that together, hours and hours of uh, crafting that, and so would ask that you all thank them with me. So. They get all the credit for how it turned out. I have to take responsibility for the choice of Scripture that is on there. But I also get uh, a few minutes, at least, to make a case for why if we're, we as a church are going to make a statement, this is a statement worth making from Colossians 3, verse 11. The whole verse says this, here... There is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Or this is the way I've kind of paraphrased it in my own uh, words. This is kind of the, the summary that I usually have for the sermon. Because Christ is preeminent and present in each one of us, this church should be a, pl- a place of profound unity. Now, naturally, Paul, by the Holy Spirit, put it better than I did, uh, but let's take a few minutes to reflect on, on this verse. And this is, uh, to just rest any fears, this will be a shorter than usual sermon this morning. So, first part, first part right up there, here, here, in the church, differences of ethnicity, culture, and class do not define us. What were the differences they were dealing with in the city of Colossae and uh, area of Asia Minor, what is now modern-day Turkey, um, there were Greek and Jew, which was more about ethnicity than nationality, ethnicity tied to religion, especially for the Jews. That's what the next phrase, circumcised and uncircumcised, was all about. The Jews were circumcised as a sign of their covenant with God. And if you were a Jew and you knew yourself to be God's chosen people, well, it was really easy to, to think of Gentiles as something less, something much less. Of course, the, the Greeks, those Gentiles, had their own prejudices. They, the Greeks, of course, cultured in philosophy and, and art and architecture and and uh, politics, and they were cultured, unlike, of course, the barbarians. The next on the list, that, that was sort of a catch-all term for the uncivilized. Uh, the, and then the Scythians, those were tribes that lived around the area of the Black Sea. Those were like the, the lowest, uh, crudest, most primitive barbarians that they, they thought of. Many of the Scythians ended up as slaves to the Greeks, and that's what you see next, slave or free. If you're a slave, of course, you were on the lowest rung of society's ladder. Your worth was not measured by uh, your person, but just what economic value you had to offer. On, on the other hand, if you were free, you had the dignity, the opportunity of that freedom. All these differences, uh, Greek and Jew, Barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, circumcised, uncircumcised, and they were all, all those differences and those folks back then, 2,000 years ago, just as prone to 
prejudice and division and conflict as we are today. This is the stuff that we're dealing with in our culture is not an ancient problem. It's not a modern problem. It's a human problem. It is a sin problem, problem of the heart. I'm not much of a, of a soccer fan, um, football more appropriately than in the rest of the world. I did ca- catch the end of the championship uh, of the Euros, the tournament of European national soccer teams last Sunday afternoon. Uh, England lost to Italy on penalty kicks. And the, sadly, the players for England who missed their kicks to lose the game for their country were black or people of color. And so, Tragically, I mean, you just, you just knew what was going to happen next. Uh, social media lit up with fans angry about losing the game and many using the race of the players to make the most cutting comments, taking superficial differences, using them as weapons to hurt others, other people. You might say, well, that's just the way the world is. But not here. Not here. Paul says, here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free. He's not saying that that we don't have any of those people. It's precisely because they had, think about it, they had all of that diversity in the church. And he says this because they were there, there were barbarians in the church. There were circumcised and uncircumcised. There were slave and free sitting side by side. They were a church with incredible diversity, but what made them different individually did not define them. It's the same for us. We may not be a very ethnically diverse uh, region of the country, but we do have differences of wealth and social status, differences in education and career accomplishment and attainment, uh, differences in physical appearance and ability. We have young and old, men and women, some with very religious upbringing and some, well, not much at all. But in the church, differences of ethnicity, culture, and class do not define us. It's easy to say much harder to live out, which is why our world is as it is. Just look at all that's going around us. And and we don't say that, of course, to condemn our neighbors or our nation, but to ask, don't we need a better kind of community? Don't we want to be a new kind of community where differences are appreciated, but do not divide us? And the only way this works is if there's something greater that unites us, something that unites us that is greater than all the things that could divide us, and that something greater is someone greater. This is part two. Christ is all. Here, there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but rather Christ is all. Because Christ is Lord and Savior, the believer's identity is found in Him. This this book as a whole uh, does not portray Jesus as merely a good teacher or like some kind of ancient Mr. Rogers, a sort of an amateur therapist for little kids and anxious adults. Uh, When it refers to Jesus as Christ, Christ is all. It means He is God's anointed King supreme and sovereign, ruling over all, the one who had long promised, long awaited, one day coming to rescue his people from sin and death, who will restore 
all of creation to its original vitality and harmony and peace. Everything, everything in God's redemptive purpose for this broken world and our broken lives is funneled through. All those blessings, all those promises funneled through Christ, all of it hinges on Christ. Christ is all. So, I mean, we could look back. I I will read to you from earlier in this letter to the Colossians, Colossians 1, uh, verse 15. He, speaking of Jesus Christ, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross." Jump to the beginning of chapter 3, where we've been reading from chapter 3, verse 11. Chapter 3 begins this way, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. If you are a believer, if your faith, if by faith God has given you new life in Christ, Christ is your life. Jesus is everything to you. Christ is all. We sang it last week. Hallelujah. All I have is Christ. Hallelujah. Jesus is my life. If Christ is all, if Christ is all doesn't lead us to worship, then we're not getting it. We don't, we're not getting what God's Word says. It hasn't reached us in our minds, and our hearts. When I first told the elders my idea for, for what would be on the wall here, um, telling the, the verse, uh, what it said, Chester said something to, to this effect. He said, I, I like it. That's a lot to live up to. I mean, Christ is all. Is it, what if that's not true of us. There, there is something of a risk of putting that on the wall. Are, are we living up to that declaration, that statement, that reality? Is that true of us, really? And I, I hope that it will not stand over us in condemnation, but it will continue to be an inspiration, uh, an invitation for us all to draw together and say again, Christ is all. That's what defines us individually as a people. This is who we are. Christ gives us our identity. Each, each one of us uh, are different. Um, we're, we're pretty similar. Again, we're kind of all from the same area, same background in many respects, but, but we're all different. And, and we all have a different uh, list of characteristics. So, you know, for example, I, I'm middle-aged, Midwest, American, white, male. And I, I don't care if you see that as a recipe for boring or some kind of intersectionality of privilege, whatever, um, none, none of them uh, on their own, not them all together, uh, are more definitive of who I am as a believer than Christian. That's who I am. 
That's who we are. That's what defines us as a church. There's nothing more important, not our denomination, not our facilities, not our programs, not our leadership, not our music. Christ is all. And when Christ is all, really, then you, you don't have petty church politics going on. You don't have the pressure to look a certain way uh, in the comparison game. You don't, you don't get lost in pet projects or the latest trends or popular causes. Christ is all. He overcomes our sins and he squelches our squabbles. Listen, to how, I'm going to continue reading. I read the first part of chapter 3, Christ who is your life. Um, and then Paul says, 3, verse 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. That's who we are. And I wonder if you see how Verse 11, a verse on the wall, flows out of that previous verse. I didn't ask you to turn there, so maybe you're not seeing it. But verse 10, I just read, uh, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. That flows right into verse 10. Christ is all and in all. If, If each believer has put off the old self, has put on the new self, which, by the way, is not just a new me, but me and you made new in Christ. Not just self-improvement, self-help, but a believer, you, me, an individual, made new in Christ. If that's who we are, being renewed in knowledge of the image of Creator, then, then we affirm that last part. And again, these are words of Paul, not ours. Christ is all and in all. In every one. Every believer in this gathering. So here's part three. And in all. With Christ in every believer, each person matters and all are one in him. And do you, do you see how important this is for our life together as a church? If it's only, if it's only the pastor that has Christ in him, only the missionary or the person who makes the biggest donation, then there will inevitably be well, differentiation, comparison. Uh, there's, there's ranking and there's pride and jockeying for position. There will be the holy and the, you know, not so holy. But all people, all people, all believers have Christ in them. And that makes each person matter. Every person's important. Every person is essential to the life of this body. We may have different, as Paul talks about the church as a body, we may have different functions. We may fit together differently. We have different uh, roles and different responsibilities and different gifts that God has given us. But together, together, that's when it's beautiful. Then together, that's where there's life. When the Bible talks about saints, it's not referring to the super spiritual or the miracle workers. It's talking about every single believer made holy, made righteous because Christ is in you and every other believer. It's not just a status, but it's a personal presence 
And if Christ is the most important thing about each and every one of us, every person matters and all are one in him. When we believe that deep down, and when, it, when it's more than a slogan on the wall, that's what it needs to be. It can't just be a, a artwork. When the word of God is our constitution, what constitutes us as a people, it won't matter whether that, that person that walks in the door has skin of a different color or speaks with a different accent, uh, appears to come from the bottom rung of the ladder or maybe closer to the top. We see even people that we don't even know yet as believers, we see the possibility that Christ could be in them too. Maybe they're, they already know Jesus. Maybe they're going to meet him when they come here. There's nothing keeping anyone from fellowship but faith in Christ. And within the fellowship of believers, you don't, you don't just look at one another and see, well, uh, a quiet, almost 13-year-old boy. You don't see a, an 86-year-old woman who's slowing down, a man who's alone who didn't want to be, be there at this point in his life. We don't see a young mother who feels overwhelmed. We don't see someone who clearly makes a lot more money than you do or barely getting by on a fixed income. We see all those things, yes, and we care about each person in the particular place that they have in life. And those life situations matter, and, and for, especially as we want to understand and care for each person where they are. But none of those things define them. None of those things define us. None of those things should divide us. They should be the things that draw us together to say that together in Christ, that's where there's life. That's where there's family. Jesus is why we're here. Christ unites us because Christ is all and in all. That's why there is loving fellowship and grateful worship. This is how the passage closes, and this is how we will end right after verse 11. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom and singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Why? Because Christ is all and in all. May that be true in this place among this people. Would you pray? Father, we are far from a perfect church. We're far from perfect people. But we're trusting that by your grace, you've given us, you've given us of yourself. Christ in us, the Holy Spirit present among us, a Father that is so near to hear and to act, do good to his children. 
And Lord, would you help us to be a people, in one sense, very different and distinct from the world, at least in terms of, oh, the confusion and conflict and hatred. May we, at the same time, have such a burden for the world, such a love for the world, love for the lost, a a, a desire to see all people welcomed into your family through faith. We pray that this church would continue to, to stand for that, to kneel for that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.